If you have your Bibles, join me in Nehemiah chapter 13, the last chapter of Nehemiah. If you, if you don't know where that's at, go to the Psalms and go left a little bit, and you'll hit there a little bit. That's, uh, I grew up in the country, man. Listen, we, we go down to the big oak tree and hang a left. That's how you'll know. Um, I want to begin today just by uh, telling uh, just a story that happened recently. And, you know, how many of you know sometimes you set out your day and, and you have a whole plan on how you think the day is going to go? And then it goes nothing like what you thought it was going to be. Our family and I got up on a Friday and we decided that we were going to go uh, explore uh, Danville, Illinois a little bit and have a coffee shop we like over there. We were on our way. We had just purchased a minivan uh, sometime last year and uh, just, you know, we got the dog in there with us because, you know, we're going to bring the dog and the dog's not going to get out of the car so we didn't bring a leash. That's important to the story. We're driving down the interstate and all of a sudden we hear a noise and we're like, man, that, that is a loud noise and it sounds like it's coming from that semi and then the semi just leaves us and the noise remains. So we realize we've got a flat tire. So pull off on the side of the interstate and I, I know how to change the tire. This is not going to be a problem. This is easy, right? But how many know that you never think about a spare tire until you have a flat tire? I knew there was one on there. I just didn't know where it was at. So now we have to get everybody out of the car because you don't want them to get hit. So now the problem is we're on the other side of the interstate. We don't have a leash for the dog. So now we're getting a cell phone cord wrapped around the collar of the dog, taking the dog. Kids are sitting in the bushes uh, on the side of the road. And so now I'm going to change this tire. The man of God has arrived. The tire shall be changed. Can't find the tire, looking everywhere for the tire. And the tire's in the middle of the car. Who puts a tire in the middle of the car? And it has a special bolt that connects it. And it's, and it's not just, you can't just take it off. It has to be lowered down by some, but no one knows where the bolt or the socket is for this. And somehow it, it was a used car, so it's not where it's supposed to be. And it was lodged after lots of prayer and time. It was lodged behind something. So we get that out. And I'm laying down now to change this tire when I start feeling something crawling on my leg and I'm like trying to figure this out and I'm starting to get bit by ants. But I can't move the car because it's got a flat tire and, and so now I get bit a little bit, wipe them off, get under there, get bit a little bit, wipe them off. And none of you that drove by stopped to help me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> So it took forever. And of course, you've got it loaded up with all kinds of soccer equipment, sports equipment, because I'm coaching soccer. All that's on the side of the interstate. I'm trying to get all this thing fixed. Finally, we get the tire changed. Okay, But now we've got to go into the tire shop. So we drop family off, and now I've got to go to the tire shop. They don't have the tire. So now I have to wait for the tire to be ordered. It's going to come later that day. And so now, later at the day, when a whole day off was planned, I'm driving at 3 o'clock. I've got to leave early to go get the new tire, and I've got to go pick up kids from school, and day's basically over at that point. So I'm driving to go get this tire. I ended up on a phone call, and somebody says to me, did you know that such and such is in town, which was uh, a mentor of mine, a pastor from Michigan, and I had no idea that he was in town teaching at a conference at a local church. And I happened to be driving by at the exact time that he was going to be teaching at that conference, and a half a mile away as I was going to get this tire. So I said, I got some time. I deviated. 
and went there. Class ended. I said, hey, listen, I've only got five minutes. I just would love it if you'd pray for me real quick. I had no idea you're going to be in town. I sit down. This guy prays this amazing prayer over my life. God just speaks in the moment. It's exactly what I needed to hear in the midst of what some of the things I was dealing with. In that five minutes, I'm on my way. I had a thought in the middle of all of that is that I probably would have never been there if it had not been for a tire and ants biting my ankles. God, was there any other way to do it? You know, I think about that is that in the messiness of this thing that we call family sometimes is that God, it always amazes me, he's at work in the midst of all of that messy stuff. You know, we're doing a series now called Me and My House, and we're borrowing that phrase that Joshua, an Old Testament leader, at the end of his life speaks in his final speech to the nation of Israel. He says, you guys can do what you're going to do, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we've, uh, just in this series, we've said there's four levels to house in the scriptures. It begins at the, at the bottom level, uh, a person is a house for the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a house for the glory of God. And then it says this, is that uh, there's another level of house, and that's called family. It's the house of Joseph, the house of Jesse, the house of Obed. And when God speaks of that house, it's not just immediate family, it's extended family, but it's also those that we do life with. It could be teammates, classmates, it could be um, people that you work with, that's your household. And then there's the church house where, where God says, um, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But then there's the house of a nation, the house of Israel, the house of the Philistines. And what we said is, is that when God wants to change the house of a nation, he changes the church house. And when God wants to change the church house, he changes the family house. And when God wants to change the family house, he changes the individuals in that house. And often, I've been guilty of this, is that we can limit the activity of God to just one level, the church house. But when this series, what we are doing is we are exploring ways in which God wants to be at work in our families. And could it be that what God does here, and we experience his presence and worship the word, he wants to do in your house Monday through Saturday as well. We quote this verse that God knows the plans that he has for us to give us a future and a hope. And we always quote them in personal ways. But what if God has a plan for your family? Because I'm gonna, I'll say something, is that God's plan for your street is your family. God's plan for your neighbor is your family. God's plan for the school which your kids go to is you. God's plan for the soccer team that your kids play on is you. And so God wants to be at work in your family in a great way. But if you're, if you're like my family, you live in this tension of the now and the not yet. How many know sometimes the now can be really urgent? I mean, you think about now, you're like, I'm just trying to get kids fed. I'm trying to get kids to school, dropping them off from school, and now they aren't in school, and that's a whole nother now we got to deal with. Come on. How many are counting? They're counting down the days when they get out of school. You're counting down when they go back. <laughs> and so you're dealing with the pressures of work. You're sometimes having to bring work home. You're trying to keep your marriage alive. You're trying to keep uh, the dishes done, the laundry done. You got all these things. To think about a future, the not yet, can seem so paralyzing. You're like, how do I even think about that? 
There's that harmonious tension that we have to embrace, and it's that tension that's good. We have to take care of it now, but there is a future that God has for you and your family. And so that's why I'm saying in this, in this series is that we're not interested in big things. We want small things. We want little things that we can incorporate into the everyday rhythms of our families that, that God can do big things over a long period of time if we'll just do the small things. Now, uh, I'll say this, and what we're going to look at today is changing our language. Uh, there is an atmosphere, there is a culture in your home. There is an unfelt reality, or an unseen reality, but it is felt in everything that you do. And often, we call that culture or atmosphere in our home. And one of the, the most indicative of things uh, of our atmosphere, or the culture in our home, is the language that we use. Nehemiah chapter 13 shows us this because Nehemiah, when he comes into leadership, the city's laid in ruins 100 years, a little bit over 100 years, and he rebuilds it in 52 days. He governs it for 12 years as its governor. And after 12 years, he goes back to give the report to the king. Here's what I did with all your resources. He's gone for a short period of time and then he comes back and he discovers that things are not what they once were. In chapter 13, the final chapter, he makes an observation. Now, he's walking down the street and he realizes there's been a culture shift and it has shown up in language. It says this, in those days I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Those are cities and regions that were very wicked and godless cultures. And when God said, you go into the promised land I'm giving you, you're not to intermarry with them, not out of ethnic or racial realities, but because of the spiritual drift that would take place. Because he knew if you enter into covenant, you yoke yourselves to these nations, they're going to cause your heart to turn towards idols and away from the Lord. But it says the, they'd married women of Ashdod and Ammon and Moab. And here's what happens. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, meaning the Hebrew language, but spoke according to the language of one or the other people. He says, I'm just hearing these kids speak, and I had a conversation with them, I'm assuming, and he realized that they could not speak the Hebrew language anymore, which means they couldn't read the Hebrew scriptures anymore which means they couldn't participate in the Hebrew worship and all the, the Hebrew ceremonies that they were required to do. It, the shift in the culture showed up in the use of language. And here's two thoughts I have this. Often the first sign of a culture change is language change. I'll prove to you that this is true. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Your, your heart is a culture, it has an atmosphere all on its own. That's why Jesus used the parable of the soils to describe the cultures of hearts. But he says out of that culture atmosphere, what will happen is it will speak. It will have a language to it. I can often tell within five minutes how somebody's doing in their relationship with the Lord just by listening to language. But it's, it, it's the first way to, to really learn when in cultures changes, but it's also, get this, the easiest way to change culture is language. And that's the next thing. The first way to change culture is to change the language. So how do we change the atmospheres in our homes? 
How do we how do we bring a new reality at play in our homes? It can be as simple as just by changing the way that we speak. And I have two areas that I think we need to learn to speak a, la- a new language, and, or, or I'm going to reintroduce to you a language that we should be speaking. Two things, the language of love and the language of faith. The language of love and the language of faith. The family unit is the primary laboratory that God has given us to learn the language of love. There is no greater context that God has given us than those that we do life with on a regular basis to learn how to love one another. And I had a, um, um, in fact, I want you, if you don't mind, I want you to pull these cards out. They should have been on every chair. If you didn't get one, you can get one on your way out. I want you to hold these in your hand, me and my house. You're going to see the, the famous love chapter of the Bible uh, quoted on the back of this. And I, I want you to hold this in your hands, please. It's important. And let me, let, me, let me read this to you, because in this chapter, the Apostle Paul takes love as a concept and begins to give it some, uh, some concrete reality. He takes love as a noun, and he makes it a verb. This is how you know what love looks like. He says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not seek to dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Now, I had a, a mentor of mine uh, about two years ago say something that was very profound. He says, whenever I'm invited to, as a pastor to counsel couples, what I do is when I'm counseling them, there's often some practical things, you know, we have to do. And, but he says one of the first things I do is I hand them a card like this with those few verses on it. And he says, and for 30 days, all I ask them to do is before they go to sleep at night, one of the couple, one of the spouses will read it out loud, and then the other one will pray and then they alternate for 30 days, reading the language of love, and then anything that highlights from there, then they pray it over their, their marriage and their family. And he says, I have been astounded over the years how just reading the language of love again and praying it can transform a marriage. Reintroducing the language of love. Because how many know that as you go through life and you have wounds and you have pain and all those things, you can forget how to speak the language of love and it's no longer heard in your home. I want to just maybe even in the context for those of us, and this will work with uh, roommates, this will work uh, definitely with children, is in the rhythms of life, speaking the language of love in entrances and exits. In entrances when I first see them during the day and exits when we say our goodbyes and we go to sleep. I think one of the easiest ways to build intimacy again is praise. The Bible says this, that praise, our words, have the ability to, to bring us into the presence of God. It says, enter his gates with praise. The message paraphrase says, the password to God's house is praise, is thank you. 
as, as using words to get into the presence of the Lord. And you can use words to restore and rebuild intimacy in your home. And you use entrance and exits to do that. Let me show you what I mean. One of the things that my wife and I are trying to really be intentional about is when our kids wake up in the morning and the first few minutes of our interactions with them, we find something to praise about them. We don't want to just give instructions at the beginning and do this and do that. We got plan. We want to make sure that there is a life-giving praise. Man, you have such a great smile. Man, your hair looks really good today. Oh, man, I'm so excited about what we're going to be doing. I want to find at the entrance, because here, so if I can do that in the morning, guess what they may be thinking about all day? What I planted in the morning can, have, it can give fruit the whole day. But then the exits at night, it was when we're going to bed, this is when I'm watching, and you can do this with a spouse, you can do this with a, a, a roommate, you can do this with anybody. I'm watching for something praiseworthy throughout the day. If love keeps no record of wrong, I think it also keeps records of rights. I want to catch people doing good things. And at the end of the day, I want to say this. Hey, you know today when um, you greeted that person and we passed that person and you went back and you said that kind word to them? That's a strength I see in you. I really love how you did that. It's a simple little praise that builds intimacy, calls out a character trait, and then guess what happens when they go to bed? They, what could they be mulling over in their mind because of a little praise of the language of love that I used in my home? I want to challenge us to begin to speak the language of love again in our homes. And maybe use this 1 Corinthians 13 exercise or the entrance and exits as a way to restore the language of love and speak it again. Second area is the language of faith. In the Jewish um, culture, but it's predominantly in the scriptures, allude to this, three times God says, you're to tell three stories. God says in the scriptures to the Jewish people, as your children grow up, they're going to start asking you questions and you are to tell them three different stories every single year. Tell them the same stories. And that means if they were in the home for 18 years, that they would have heard uh, these stories. They would have heard 54 stories. I mean, God's in repetition. Now, here's the beautiful thing about story is story inflames the heart. It's important because 47% of the Bible is narrative, is story. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. There are stories that we should be telling in our homes on a regular basis, in our families, so that our faith can be passed on. Because we will find ourselves in story. And so God said, there's three stories I always want told so that the faith is passed on from generation to generation. And the first one is a story of divine protection. It's Exodus chapter 12. It's the story of the Passover. And he says, when you enter the land, he's saying this promised land that the Lord will give you as he's promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes. When he struck down the Egyptians, then the people bowed down and worshiped him. I love in this story that the children are going to ask questions. 
Every one of these, it's the children who are asking questions. And he says, when they ask them why you're doing this Passover meal, of the, and, and it's the story of divine protection, tell them the story about how I passed over because the blood that was applied to the doorpost. Tell them the story. Because here's what I think in this. If God can do it in a big way, then he can do it in a small way. For divine protection, if God can protect a whole nation, then guess what he can do for me? He can protect me as well. You see, we find ourselves in story. It's a story of divine protection. The second story that had to be told is the story of divine direction. And this is Joshua chapter 4, verses 21 through 25. And this is what he says. He said to the Israelites in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. So as they passed through, they had to take 12 stones for the 12 tribes and build a monument on the other side. It said, the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Now watch this. If the first one is, if God can do it big, he can do it small. The second one is this. If God did it for you, God can do it for me. It's the story of divine direction. It's God who led us. It's God who split it. It's God who told us to go this way. It's the story of divine direction. Third story is the story of divine instruction. This is Deuteronomy 6, 20 through 25. He said, in the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of all these laws, these decrees and regulations that the Lord your God has commanded us to obey? Then you must tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying bows against Egypt, Pharaoh and all his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land he had sworn to give our ancestors. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. For we will be counted as righteous when we obey all the commands the Lord our God has given us. In this chapter, this is where we get, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. In this chapter is where God moves it from rules to relationship. And here's what he's saying in here. Divine instruction is the truth must be in you before it's in me. The truth must be in you before it's in me. And I love the word there. He says, God will continue to bless us. And he's tying the instructions of the Lord to the blessings of the Lord. Three stories that they were to tell. Divine protection, divine direction, and divine instruction so that the faith was passed on. I said this two weeks ago. I'll say it again. The average parent spends four and a half minutes in a week in conversation. That's 37 seconds a day in meaningful conversation with their children. How in the world can we, can I, pass on a faith in only 37 seconds a day? A little bit of an intentionality. What we've said is, is if we can move it to seven minutes per day, what difference would that make 
If at bedtime, maybe you just told a story, one or two stories about how God, how about God instructed you your favorite Bible verse and why it's your Bible, favorite Bible verse or a time when God protected you or a time when God spoke to you and led you in your life. And so it's passing the language of love, but it's also passing the language of faith. And the beautiful thing about this, guys, is that we get to practice before we go home. Okay, come on, somebody. <laughs> so you can take, put your phones down. You can put your pen down. We're going to get real practical here in a few moments. And I want all the introverts just to trust me, I promise. <laughs> I promise you're not going to die. God's going to help you. He's going to give you the words to say. We're going to do two things here. And I want to just show you just the power of this. First is, I want us to speak the language of love. So in here... I want you to praise, if you're with a family member, I want you to be very specific and praise a character or an action of a family member near you. Now, if you're not near that person, here's the second thing I want you to do, then I want you to praise a family member to somebody sitting next to you who doesn't even know who they are. Let me tell you what my son did. Let me tell you what my, let me tell you what my roommate did. Let me tell you what my, one of my teammates did. I want you to practice the language of praise, the language of love. And let me just tell you, if your spouse is sitting next to you right now, I'm helping you out. Okay? Now, I'm, 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 I'm going to delay in a little bit because some of you are scrambling right now. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? I'm going to encourage you, try not to be general. Well, I just love it how you always know. No, I want you to be specific. Think of something yesterday. Think of something this morning. Think of something recently. And uh, that you can praise about that other person. And we are going to speak the language of love. And I'm going to give you, we got plenty of time. I'm going to give you two to three minutes to do that. All right, we're going to put uh, that, I got my watch here, and I want you to turn to somebody near you right now. You're either praising the family member near you, or you are going to praise a family member to a complete stranger sitting next to you. All right, I want you to turn, introduce yourself if you don't know who they are. The language of love. Take turns. Let me tell you a story. Let me brag about my wife. So three stories. We're restoring the language of love. Now let's speak the language of faith. You know, you are, uh, you are an, we are a, in a room full of experts in this room because you are an expert in one area. All of us are. And that's our own stories. You're the expert on that. You know your story. And so I want you, we're going to again, we got plenty of time. We're going to give a few minutes to this one, two minutes each. So it'll be four to five minutes total. So please take your time. And if you, uh, you can do that with the same person or if you want to pick a different person, that's fine. But I want you to tell one of three stories. I want you to tell a story where you were divinely protected by the Lord, where he protected you. He covered you from a wrong relationship. He covered you. You should have died, but you didn't. Tell a story from your life your own life of divine protection, or tell a story of divine instruction where, where God specifically told you to do something and you did it, and what was the outcome of that? Or if he delivered you from something and in a great way, a life-controlling issue, and you're on the other side of that, tell that story. Or how about this, divine instruction. 
Maybe share your favorite Bible verse and why that Bible verse is your favorite Bible. Because often it's, it's because of the context where that Bible verse came into our life. There's a whole story around that. And if you don't have any of those three stories to tell, then pick your favorite Bible story and tell that Bible story to somebody. Else. <laughs> Borrow the story of Daniel and the three lions. I don't care. Whatever you want to story, whatever story you want to tell from the scriptures. But I'll encourage you, Now, this may be hard for some of you, and that's okay, it's your story, and we won't know if you're making it up anyway, okay? Just joking. <laughs> but it's your story, and you're the expert, and this is important because we, we have to get comfortable, guys, with sharing how God's been at work in our life. This is how the faith is passed on from generation to generation, and it's how our neighbors come to faith when they hear our story. So this is important work. This is, not, this, this is the language of faith. So here we go. We're going to put several minutes on the clock here. You've got plenty of time. I'll let you know when you're done. I want you to think of a story of divine protection, divine instruction, or divine direction. On your marks, get set, go. Decide who's going to go first. Let's have the oldest person go first. You know, you know on both of those instances, as the, as the worship team comes, listen, you know what I hear right now is I hear the language of faith. And evidently, God must be really have done some stuff or doing some stuff because the volume of the room went up. Amen. Amen. And before that, the language of love. And I just want to encourage you, it just takes a little bit of intentionality and do that over a lifetime and watch what happens in a home when the language of love is present Praise brings intimacy and the language of faith. Um, sometimes it's just telling the stories of how God's been at work and letting people find themselves in this God story that was in our life as well. Because if he, he can do it big, he can do it small. If he did it for them, he can do it for... If he did it for you, he can do it for them. And the truth's in you, so it can also be in me. Let's uh, just, just close in prayer now. What I want to do... In this whole series, we've closed every sermon out with the same way. If you want to take a posture of humility, just go ahead and put your hands out again in palms in front of you. And I want to just do this here at the end. We do it every time. Would you just invite God to be in your home again? Invite him to be in your home, your house. Invite him to be, if you're married, invite him to be in your marriage. If you have children, just call them by name again. God, be in Nathan, be in, be in David, be, be in Sarah. God, be at work in their life. Come on, if you have a roommate, and you pray for that roommate right now. Maybe, maybe your family seems more like a close friendship circle. Pray for them. Or maybe your family feels to you like your co-workers. Pray to bring God into that space right now. God, begin to influence them. And that's the reason in the scriptures why God puts those stories in there. Because he, he, what he was, he still is. And what he is, he will always be. And so here's what I want you to do. Let's pray a divine protection kind of prayer. God, would you cover me? Would you cover my family? Would you set a hedge of protection around them, Lord? Cover them. Come on, pray over them. Uh, 
Let's pray for divine direction now. Lord, that you would speak. May, we, may they, may we, may I hear your voice. May we walk in the plans of the Lord, not our plans, but your plans, not our will, but your will. God, speak like you led them through the Jordan River. If there's a boundary right now, Lord, that you want us to cross, speak, Lord. Speak to us. And now let's pray for divine instruction that we would love the ways of the Lord, that we would have an obedient heart, that God, now this is good, let's pray for the blessing of the Lord to be upon our children, upon our marriages, upon our business, upon our homes. God, would you bless it? A divine instruction. Father, I thank you that you're at work. May we begin to speak the language of love and may we fill our homes with the stories of God at work, of divine protection and instruction and direction. May we fill it with the language of faith. Come, Lord Jesus, and fill our homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Please remain standing as we worship the Lord.